GP Insights, a health cert podcast. Practical advice for busy GPs on how to treat with confidence and grow their practice. My name is David Wilkinson. I am a professor of general practice and primary care and deputy vice chancellor at Macquarie University, Sydney, Australia. Welcome to our series of podcasts that celebrate the 30-year history of uh, dermoscopy. In this series, we have a number of uh, leaders in the field of dermoscopy, each of whom provide a short summary of how they have used dermoscopy in their practice, the impact it has had on them and their practice, and their thoughts about uh, the future of dermoscopy. Uh, We hope you enjoy the series very much. In this podcast, Luc Thomas from France talks about his own first exposure to dermoscopy when he was a research fellow in Boston in the US and how he has used dermoscopy in his own practice, particularly around uh, his own uh, very specific and and deep expertise in the dermoscopy of uh, pigmented lesions of the nail. Well, my name is Luc Thomas. I work in France, in Lyon. um, And uh, have been doing dermoscopy since 1989, I suppose. The first dermoscope I earned myself was uh, both at the American Academy of Dermatology at that time. Uh, I was a research fellow in in Boston, Massachusetts, in the United States, and uh, I was impressed by the uh, conferences of people uh, showing nice images of dermoscopy at that time. Um, I went back to France in uh, 1991 with this brand new dermoscope. It was a Heine Delta 10. And I started to uh, look at lesions. And uh, soon after, I got uh, a camera to record images. I was uh, first involved in teaching the mascopy uh, in, in France uh, soon after that and I've been uh, since then uh, teaching the mascopy uh, in France and all over the world um, uh, in different occasions. My research field was determined by the fields that was not occupied by others. I noticed that the nail dermoscopy field was not so well uh, studied. And this is why I decided to focus on nail uh, pigmented lesions. Uh, This is also because I'm working in a referral center and many cases of melanoma uh, come to me with uh, already an excised lesion. Um, except in very specific areas like face, uh, palms and sores and nails where surgery is more difficult. And this is why I could accumulate many images um, of these uh, special sites. Um, nowadays I use dermoscopy almost every day um, and I feel somehow uh, unable to give an accurate diagnosis of any uh, skin tumor without dermoscopy. And very often when I'm asked for an opinion, um, when I'm not at work, I ask the person to come back to my clinic um, if I don't have a dermoscope 
uh, in my pocket. Um, it changed dramatically my practice, it changed dramatically my research, it changed dramatically my uh, friendship because uh, uh, in the world of demoscopy I had been lucky enough to uh, meet very dear friends that I still uh, have now uh, and this is a very precious thing. What do I think about the future? Well, it's difficult. Um, of course, I suppose demoscopy is now part of clinical examination in dermatology. Uh, it is extremely useful in cases uh, uh, in home you need or you needed to take a biopsy uh, before uh, introduction of demoscopy and this will still be the case for many years. Of course, new equipment will come, and uh, of course, this is science fiction. But I suppose that one day, maybe drones will fly over the apartments of our patients. They will be completely naked in their dressing room, and uh, uh, these drones will be able to take images, uh, of course, total body images, and uh, special images of uh, uh, their lesions. Uh, artificial intelligence will help to select the most interesting lesions to look at and these images will be selected and uh, sent to experts. And as an expert, I hope I will be uh, lying down in my backyard uh, along my swimming pool and drinking beer while I can give uh, opinion about these cases. Well, I understand that this is science fiction, but I really hope it will be some kind of, of uh, activity like that. Uh, advice to young people, well, always use your demoscope when you look at skin lesions. If it doesn't help to make the diagnosis, it will help you to build your own reference uh, library of images in your brain, and this will be helpful for the rest of your life. Well, thank you very much and have a good day. Here, uh, Dr. Cliff Rosendahler, a GP from Brisbane, Australia, who has had a massive impact on the science around dermoscopy, uh, speaks um, in, in a very amusing way of, of his own experience with dermoscopy. And his first dermoscope cost $40,000, and uh, he wasn't terribly impressed with it. Uh, Cliff has made uh, some, some fascinating insights uh, in this podcast. We hope you enjoy. Yes, so hello, I'm, I'm Cliff Rosendale, GP from Capalabar in, in Brisbane. And the first dermatoscope I used um, actually cost me $40,000. It was a Molmax. And the only training I'd had at that time um, was from books and from talking to colleagues. And it was uh, a, a very interesting experience because I had this um, quite sophisticated piece of equipment and the first thing I noticed was that it didn't render grey or blue colour very much at all. And as grey and blue were such important uh, clues to malignancy, that was very disappointing, especially after spending $40,000. So I paid another $1,000 to get a, a non-polarised uh, camera for it. And that improved it somewhat, but it wasn't very long before I realised that a handheld dermatoscope was actually much more useful um, and practical and um, 
my Molmax, um, although there are newer, better models, um, is now sits in a corner and, and uh, I use a handheld dermatoscope for all of my work. Um, that was a, in the, the mid uh, 2004, 2005. Uh, I don't actually remember the first patient, but I do remember when I started using dermatoscopy, it looked, everything looked very wonderful. It was like uh, scuba diving for the first time. Everything looked very um, special. And I ended up cutting out a lot of harmless things because they looked um, so amazing under, under the dermatoscope. Um, my work position at that time was a, a, a GP in my own practice. My work focus was general practice and um, skin cancer diagnosis and management uh, became more and more um, significant mm -hmm. as, as I moved on and, and 2009 started my PhD and, and uh, it went, went from there. Um, it changed my clinical practice because now I practice exclusively in the field of skin cancer and mainly in diagnostics. So I use a dermatoscope all the time. Um, every patient I see, I, I use a dermatoscope on. Um, before I had that dermatoscope, I just, like a GP, I, I'd examine things clinically and, and if I was concerned that something was a skin cancer or a melanoma, I'd, I'd excise it. Um, and now uh, dermatoscopy uh, actually is, is, is my, my profession, that's what I do. And I teach at the University of Queensland in the Master of Medicine course. And I travel and I lecture and I, I do research, which started with my PhD and continues now. The future of dermatoscopy, um, artificial intelligence is going, to, is going to play an increasing role. Um, and that will be as uh, an assistant to the, the GP or the, the, the doctor who's using it or the nurse who's using a dermatoscope. Um, your device, like a Molmax or a photo finder, you'll be able to put it on a lesion of concern and it will give you a second opinion instantly. You won't have to send the photos to a colleague. Um, and that opinion will be with a known sensitivity and specificity. So it'll be from a source that doesn't get tired, that can work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so this will be an enormous asset, but the doctor or the nurse still has to identify the lesion to put the artificial intelligence device on. And it's a very small, subtle lesions um, that are found that can be very, very significant. Um, that make the skill of the doctor just as important even in a world of artificial intelligence. Uh, my advice to doctors who start learning dermatoscopy is to get some training because it's known that dermatoscopy only improves your accuracy if it's combined with training. That is absolutely essential. Um, there are several uh, providers of training. Get good training and of course um, that can um, reach a pinnacle with uh, things like the Master of Medicine at the University of Queensland. I always examine my patients with my nurse. And my nurse is highly trained. Um, she's a lot younger than me. Um, I've had a couple of nurses now that have filled this role. And I find that examining with a nurse improves my diagnostic um, achievements so much that it far exceeds what she costs me at an hourly rate. For example, if she finds one BC that I've missed a day, that covers her wages. Well, she'll usually find three or four, and, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm no good at finding BCCs, but I'm saying that my young nurses are better. Um, and we had a case recently where 
I'd examined a patient, she came up to that part of the patient and he found a little BCC on the nasolabial fold, a very tiny one that I'd missed. And while I was examining that, I found a melanoma on the patient's ear. So two people working together is far more effective, it's cost efficient, and it makes your work a lot more enjoyable because you compete with the person that you're working with. Well, there we are. Some uh, fascinating insights and some terrific little stories and vignettes there. Um, let's look forward to the next podcast in the series. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe so you can get updates whenever we post more. And please share it with others. And for more info, please go to healthcert.com.